Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. We all have heard about Walter Camp, the father of modern football, and his time at Yale and some of the great innovations that he came up with, you know, including the scrimmage and the snap and the quarterback and you know, three downs and four downs to get the yards to gain. He's responsible for a lot of that, bringing it from other avenues and some other sports. But what did he do for vacation? Well, he did football and out in California. Our friend Timothy P. Brown joins us from footballarchaeology.com to tell us all about Walter Camp's California Adventures, coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And we are in Tuesday mode again. Uh, starting off this new year right, we have uh, Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology joining us to talk about another exciting tidbit that he's had come out recently. Uh, Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you had a great holidays. And, uh, I certainly did and am planning to enjoy them some more. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, football season is still going on here. Just got done with the bowl games, and now we're getting ready for playoffs in the professional level. So, But we have some great football history uh, to talk about all month long and all year long, and uh, we're glad that you're here to be a part of it. Uh, A great uh, subject that we're going to talk about tonight, Tim, that comes from one of your October uh, tidbits, a little bit on the the founder and father of uh, modern football, Walter Camp, and uh, Sounds like a very interesting topic. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just obviously anytime you can pull Walter Camp into a conversation, um, you're probably on, on pretty solid ground. But, you know, I think that the thing that I enjoyed about this particular that particular uh, tidbit is really just kind of, you know, if you just step back and think about what the world was like and what California was like back in the 1890s when he you know, he had been coaching, coaching, advising, you know, with, with Yale um, and then kind of stepped away a bit, still did, did a lot of the executive management stuff for, um, you know, for the Yale Athletic Association. But, you know, he, he had a f- company to run, you know, the New Haven Clock Company was his family company. And so he's doing all that, but he still, you know, kind of got the call from people out at Stanford. They wanted him to come on out and uh, teach him a thing or two about football. You know, and and it's just, you know, you kind of have to step back then because I think the Intercontinental Railroad was, you know, not that old by the time, you know, by, say, 1892. So here's this guy in Connecticut traveling all the way across the country, 
uh, and you know, brought his wife along, but still, you know, he's at that time it had to be a, a week long trip, you know, on the railroad just to just yeah, across the country. If it's anything, I know from a lot of the Rose Bowl teams that were going out there from the East Coast, from like New York City, like when Columbia went, it was a six day trip. So I assume it's got to be pretty close to what what camp was traveling. Yeah, and I, I'm more, you know, I'm maybe more knowledgeable about some of the Midwestern teams. But they were, you know, four and five day trips, you know, and this is in the 20s, you know, or in the late teens, you know, mm-hmm. that time, time period. So, you know, I mean, he was out there early on because people were still sailing you know, <laughs> from the East Coast to the West Coast. And that was and that's no Panama Canal. That's right. right. So they're going the long way. Um, but anyway, so he goes out there and and there had been a series of other you know, recent graduates. So somebody, you know, who was just a year or two out of school who had gone out to the West Coast to help, you know, teach football and help them, you know, get kind of get, get up to speed. Um, and so, you know, despite all that distance, one of the things that strikes me is just how often, I mean, I, I know, you know, I did an article on shoulder pads recently and, you know, they showed up at Yale in like whatever it was, 18... <laughs> uh 88 or something in that that kind of time frame and sure enough like a year later the guys at cal and stanford are wearing them you know so pretty much everything transferred but you know it it required some messengers and so he becomes a messenger um and he he went out there in 82 or 1892 and then in 93 and 95 as well um you know sometimes arriving you know after the yale season was over but in California, a lot of times they played later. You know, they didn't they didn't necessarily play in September. You know, they'd take a game if they got they got one. But um, so a lot of times they played a little bit later, so he could be there for you know most of the season. Um, but the other thing really that's striking, I just think, is that you know there just weren't that many teams to play. You know, if you part of the point about the article is they end up they're playing like. Uh, you know, two pretty famous teams in the in the Bay Area. One was the San Francisco Olympic Club. Uh, they they you know like a lot of these athletic clubs, they had they had you know pretty pretty strong teams. And then Reliance Athletic Club was the other one. But like they play each of those guys like one of the years Cal played one of them two times, the other one. And it was a reverse for Stanford's. Um, and they're just they're just weren't that many other teams. You know, I mean, you could go down to L.A., which was a trip. And Stanford did that over the holidays once or twice. And you could go to the Northwest to play somebody in Portland. And But otherwise, you know, I mean, really, even in the 20s, um, the the West Coast, the teams that we think of as the top teams on the West Coast now, they were still playing like, you know, the USS Pennsylvania and, you know, battleships moored in port. Um you know, they'd have their teams, and so they'd play them in their, early in the season. They, they'd play Chemawa and Sherman, which are both, you know, Native American schools. Um, even like Arizona, you know, I mean, those schools were pretty dinky. There, were, there just weren't many people living in Arizona, you know, back then. So pretty dinky schools, and, you know, they, they would play like the Occidentals of the world and, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, I think we've talked about it before, but USC didn't become – a big deal until the twenties, you know? So anyways, you know, he's going out there and basically there's two schools of any note on the West coast, Cal and Stanford, uh, their rivals. And, you know, they kind of try to knock each other off in the big game, but um, you know, it's just the, 
it's just kind of an interesting story how knowledge of football disseminated from these guys who had just played in the previous years with, you know, Stanford or not Stanford, but, uh, you know, Harvard, Yale, Princeton. And then you get Walter Camp of all people to head out there and, you know, try to show him a few things. And, you know, he seems to have been reasonably successful, you know. Uh, and anyways, it just, I don't know, it's just, it's like a time capsule for me. Right. You know, yeah. It's just a strange period. And, you know, there must have been some kind of a pipeline going from uh, the East, like the Yales and Harvards out to California. Cause I can remember there's a story somewhere that I read where uh, uh, Leland was the coach uh, at Harvard and he was, uh, I think he was bringing in um, the, the wedge designed for kickoff or something. He was going to spring it on Yale as a surprise. And they were practicing in secret and everything. Yes. And he said something to somebody that traveled out to California and this this person went out there and was casually talking at a some restaurant about it, and uh, somebody from Yale overheard them, telegraphed back to to uh, Camp and said, "Hey, this is what they're planning to do." And and of course, Camp had the answer for doing it. And so Harvard was the one in surprise. Uh, the, the trap that wasn't set on on Yale it was set on Harvard. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I recall the story. I, I hadn't you know thought about it in that context, but but yeah, it's a perfect fit. You know, it's really, uh, uh, you know, I mean, just the, amazing the, you know, just the difference in time. And yet, you know, they're still, they're playing this game that, you know, we still play today, you know, just a little bit different conditions, but, um, you know, like US or UCLA, you know, was a, was a normal school, you know, then, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 1890s. So, you know, they really didn't really become big time prior until the thirties, maybe even, you know, maybe even the forties, but you know, when they had the, you know, like Robinson and some of those guys in the late thirties, you know, they were certainly. Yeah, it's just surprising how fast it, it spread. Cause I know we've talked about it a few times where when uh, university of Chicago started taking shape with Amos Alonzo stag coming from the East, you know, that was the far West and, you know, yeah. we got to go all the way to Chicago to play these teams. You know? now yeah. Another what, 1500 miles to the west coast from there or maybe it's 2000 miles i'm not sure distance yeah. and uh you know just a few years later they're starting to become power so very interesting yeah. Fred. yeah i mean you know there was uh whenever anybody wrote you know really till probably world war one you know most, most time if they're saying well the football out west that meant midwest you know and otherwise, they didn't sort of far, the far west or the Pacific coast or something like that. But west, you know, I mean, the Big Ten was the Western Conference. So, hmm. you know, that kind of gives you a sense. And even like those silly boys from Michigan still, you know, sing about uh, being the champions of the West, right? Right. So, That's a, It's in their song, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's wow. fascinating people stuff. to hear most of the time, but nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there it's all good. It's all good. All yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, well, we appreciate you you're bringing this. this. is another great uh, little bit of uh, football history, and we just love hearing these tidbits and reading about them each and every day. And why don't you share with the listeners where they, too, can uh, learn about your tidbits each and every day? Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's two ways. The best way is to just – uh, find footballarchaeology.com and subscribe. It's free to subscribe. There are paid versions. Um, mostly that helps 
helps me buy stuff that we, you know I show <laughs> you know, either books or postcards or whatever it may be. Um, so help support then, uh, Tim Tim's uh, habits. Please. <laughs> yes, please support my habits. Um, and then uh, you know I also I as at the current time I'm still tweeting out uh, that stuff every day and it's you know that's become such a mess there that I'm not sure how much longer I'll do it but we'll see. Um, you know, as long as I'm getting some reaction from people at, on Twitter, then I'll do it, I guess. But uh, but anyways, best best way and to make sure you don't miss anything, join or subscribe, and then you'll get an email every day. Uh, every time I tweet or post anything, you get an email about it and read them if you want, delete them if you want. Yep, they're they're always good reading and they don't take very long to do uh usually 20 seconds to a minute probably and yeah. I, I usually find myself engrossed in whatever uh image you have included in it and that's what i spend most of my time looking at because yeah. i know that's sort of where you usually center your ideas from is uh finding an image that's what we're talking about these habits that, that tim's uh buying he's he's buying you know postcards and books and old programs and uh finding photographs and just finding little hidden gems in there that uh I would overlook uh, and probably most people would, but Tim finds them and brings up some, some great football attributes uh, of football history to it. So we really appreciate that. Well, it's fun. It's fun, but uh, yeah, join up if you're interested. Um, otherwise keep listening to these as well. So, yeah. And uh, Tim's taken uh, where's Waldo to a whole new level looking for where, where's the football history in this <laughs> photograph. <laughs> so, so Tim, uh, so thanks a lot for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, very good. Thank you. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, 
the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.